Blog Talk Radio. here on October 21st, 2015, 2015, and yesterday, which was also 2015, I read an interesting article by Melissa Dahl. She's quite the doll at New Yorker magazine. She talked about what she called a miracle of modern medicine, a miracle of modern medicine. Americans, apparently, apparently Americans are more likely than any people in any other country to report feeling physical effects after taking fake painkillers in experiments. They're called placebos. Most of you know they give you sugar pills. They give some people the real medicine, some people the sugar pills. And the Americans were more likely than anybody else to imagine that they were healed by the sugar pills. And why? Why is that? What's so special about the United States? Well, only two countries on earth allow ads by drug companies on TV for consumers. New Zealand, of all countries, that little speck in the ocean, and the United States of America. So, some people have speculated that Americans who see all these drug ads on TV are being brainwashed to think that drugs really work. But Stu, I was going to say Snoo, Stuart Schneiderman, he's a blogger I read sometimes. He has what I think is a better answer. He says the TV shows like Marcus Welby, Ben Casey, Dr. Kildare, House, and Grey's Anatomy are really propaganda for doctors. For years, people have been fed this stuff, so they think doctors are nice guys who want to help humanity and are good at what they do. And I think we recruiters should take note of that. I mean, look, imagine this. If there was a television show in which recruiters help needy families, needy families where the mom or dad is out of work, and just before they have to sell the house, a recruiter shows up with a new job. We could call it something like touched by a recruiter. And first we'd see the story, the, the sorry state. The sorry state the candidate is in. You know, I left the mic open for the guest, and someone's breathing in my ear while I'm doing my intro. Stop it, okay? First thing we'd see is the sorry state the candidate is in. Then the recruiter would try to reach the candidate, but the candidate would be resistant because they wouldn't accept any email or phone calls because they'd lost faith. In humanity, And finally, the recruiter has to appeal to a friend of the candidate to get in touch with her, or he, you know, the recruiter has to come to the candidate's house and force his way in. And then the candidate, I'm almost done, would have an emotional conversation with the recruiter and something, you know, it would click in her head that something really good had happened to her. And she would start crying. And then her kids would run up and, and hug her. Yeah, they'd hug her. And that would be the end of the show for another week. And next week, the exact same thing. Can you imagine what your reputation would be, would be after a year of that on TV? I wish we could do it on the radio. On Jerry, Jerry, what show is this? This is the Recruiting 
come on, on the tape there, but hey, I want to congratulate you on not only this being the first show where you've got a real guest, a.k.a. someone involved in business, but also to show your diversity, it sounds like this is the first time you've had a guest that's also in an iron lung. What? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. I do. I know. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not like, hey. I do not uh, discriminate against iron lung people, but but this guy this guy's a heavy duty breather, isn't he? My goodness! Yeah, I tried not to let it bother me, but after I got halfway, I just couldn't. couldn't How make does he it talk? In. I mean, he, I mean, I imagine the iron lung is not what it used to be. <laughs> I imagine they're fairly portable now. Kevin Dunn. But, uh, Congratulations on pushing through your adversity, Kevin, and getting on the show with us. There's been a a lot of uh, medical breakthroughs in the Iron Lung territory, so I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, our guest today, Kevin Dunn, and you've got a real strange uh, Twitter address. It's uh, the leads are weak. Is that that it? Yes, Yes, that's it. No, I can that, a little homage to uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. The leads are weak. The leads are weak. You're weak. Mm. Oh, I see. Okay, we don't like that. Okay, it's Jerry and I both don't like no. it. No. Okay, I suggest it you diminishes change. our profession. <laughs> okay. Hey, I'm not. Okay. I'm not here to please everyone. All right, that's not what I do. Okay. Good. Ooh. I like to hear that. Okay, let's do the song though. Let's get it out of the way. Judy in disguise. Do you know that one? I don't Judy know that one. Judy in disguise. You don't know it? Uh, that's a what you are. You don't know it? I don't know it. What about I Want to Know What Love Is? It's got like one line in the chorus. You know that one by Foreigner? Sure I do. Okay. so I want to know what, what love I, is. I want I want you to show me. That's it. Okay. We'll save, save it. Okay. We're going to do it. Okay. One. You're going to do it with me? Yes or no? Yes, sir. Yeah, okay. You know what? Your your voice is like kind of tinny. It's just I can hear you, but it's it's small. It's not a big rich voice like Alejandro's or Jerry's, okay? If you could do anything to, you know, fix that, think about it, okay? So, we'll sing. One. It's the Iron Lung. Yeah. Okay. Jerry, you gave him an out. One, I... two, three. I want to know no, what no, is. Come on, Kevin. I want, I want you, you to show me. me. Da, da. I want to feel I wanna the love Yeah! <laughs> I know you can. Kevin. Show me. Show me. Show me. It's singing, okay? Let's singing. talk about love. It's <laughs> a good song. I like it. Jerry, do you like that song? Uh, it used to be one of our songs back in my oh. dating days. So oh. yes, it it brings back a few special memories. <laughs> okay, Kevin, want to introduce? Oh, uh, uh, Stacy. <laughs> oh, sorry about. <laughs> <laughs> Go out with Stacy. 
Are you still there? Yes, sir. I'm here. Can you introduce yourself, please? Yes, absolutely. My name is Kevin Dunn. I've worked uh, agency for 12 years, no, 11 years, four years on the corporate side currently uh, in talent acquisition at PayPal. Previously worked at the usual suspects, Robert Half, Spherion, Agilon, uh, worked in uh, administrative, accounting and finance, and technical for the last five years. Kevin Dunn, D-U-N-N. His Twitter name is The Leads, letter R, Week. So it's T-H-E-L-E-A-D-S-R, the letter R. That w- hurts me more the second time you say it than the first time. Well, the people are going to be talking about him, and I want them to know what his Twitter name is, okay? Oh. Just stop embarrassing this man. Okay, he was the director of recruiting at a primo uh, Baltimore area IT staffing firm, and he moved into corporate recruiting at PayPal. What happened? I want to read you what somebody said on, on my Facebook group. He said, corporate recruiters are simply processors and often failed or tired external recruiters. Many haven't even met their own internal clients to them. To them, it doesn't matter who gets the job. Just meet their KPIs, you know, their metrics, because they don't have fees vested in making sure the match is 100%. Like, it's a worn-out slacker from the external recruiting agency side who goes inside. Does that describe you, Kevin? It's it's not surprising to me, but I I don't buy it. I think that that's probably the general perception of what's out there. But the reality is, I mean, I think that you can ask the hiring managers now. I'm an idiot has his his mic open, right? And he's cooking or something like that, okay? Stop it, will you? Okay, you go ahead. You know, that's disappointing. Talk to him while I find that. Who in the world doesn't have enough respect for the animal show? That they have you on hold uh, online at Walmart. I think it's uh, your buddy. Is it? Is it? Is it Travis? No, he's no, he's he, yeah. he knows far. Is, is it? it so? Okay, yeah, let's oh, go. We God. got that out of the way. Why did you move inside? I mean, you had, first of all, you had a, a director of recruiting job. That was a big job at a at a big firm. Am I right about that? Yeah, we were doing about. I think we were doing about twenty four, twenty six million. We had commercial and federal business. Uh, and I, I mean, I made the move. I didn't have corporate experience. I wanted a little bit of that. Why? Part, well, Why would you want corporate experience? It's because hell. There's something about there's something about talent acquisition and workforce planning where if you're on, on the agency side, you're trying to fill positions and deal with candidates and clients. If you understand how the other side works, then you know going back to you can always go back to an agency. I mean, everybody can go back to an agency. I'm not managing people where I am currently. I'm an individual contributor, which is the same thing as sitting on a desk at, an, at a vendor at an agency. Hmm. Yeah, but weren't you making a ton more money before? Yeah, I mean, I, I tell you, I was making. I mean, I was definitely making more money, but my money also depended on, you know, obviously the recruiters that I hired and the business that came in. And part of the challenge was the director of sales that I had there just wasn't pulling in orders, or he was pulling in C level recs and calling them A level recs, which obviously is, you know, that's that's the the big, you 
know, that, that, that's the big push-pull between recruiters and sales. You know, this rec isn't good. This one is not workable. And, and the recs weren't qualified. So it got to a point where, you know, I had 10, 12 people on staff, and the salespeople weren't pulling in any recs. So I, not only was I managing the recruiting team, I was responsible for pulling in sales recs so that my, rec, my recruiters could fill jobs, number one, so that they would be busy and not leave the organization. And number two, I mean, part of how you're paid – uh, on the agency side is you get overrides, right? I mean, you don't get 150 k base salary working at an agency. So I had to keep my, my guys and girls busy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jerry, what do you say about that? I like it. Really? Yeah, good why answer. Didn't they, why didn't they just no, get a better sales time. rep? Uh, what's that? Get a better sales rep. Somebody. I agree. I agree. But uh, Kevin here uh, wanted to move on. Okay, you he know was, what? He I, was tired I of doing his boss's job, dude. Okay, I appreciate that he wants to find out what it's like on the other side, okay? Uh, it's a, that's good. Uh, that's I'd good. rather just read about it. Okay, it's good, <laughs> it's good knowledge, but I'm surprised he waited till he got so senior. Or maybe it was just, you know, he'd had enough of where he was and he figured it was a good opportunity. I notice his LinkedIn profile has not been updated. It says that he's recently moved in-house, and, and that was like four years ago, right? Yes, that was four years ago. So yeah, I've been in-house for a while. Why don't you change your LinkedIn profile? It says you recently moved. I, I will be sure to, to delete that and change it to your uh, specifications. Okay, yeah, I'll tell you show. what. If you're going to make some changes, why don't you get rid of the third person, Kevin, and say, I did this, I oh. did that, okay? I don't like that third person like, stuff. Do you want me to send you a resume while we're on the show? You can critique my resume as well. I mean, you know, if what you are we talking it, about? Oh, he'd be in hog office. heaven, dude. That's his specialty. <laughs> yeah. No, you know no, that. No. You know that, right? You're just teasing him. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. I, I read up I know on it. I know it's no, never, This never goes over well, but I can't resist. The guy's got a million recommendations on his LinkedIn page. I always wonder, does it, why, why do the people who have these recommendations never know what they refer to? Because you know, the recommendations are always very general. And I say, well, wh- what were they talking about? What were they thinking about when they wrote this stuff? And no one ever knows. But just in case you know, I'm going to feed a couple to you, Okay. Excuse me. Here's one. It says, Kevin is a very knowledgeable, hands-on, strategic recruiter with a highly proactive approach to his business and customer. He has a strong work ethic, vision, and capabilities which set him apart from her. It says, they said her peers. (laughs) Maybe they bored someone else, but her peers. So we're going to assume last week Jerry accused the guest of being a a transsexual. I'm no, not I didn't accuse that. anybody of anything. <laughs> is, is anyone making exactly. a Kingsley Jenner comment here, or are we not talking about that? Okay, but you, he said you're a strategic <clears throat> recruiter. What does that mean? Well, you know, I, I think it's, it's it's twofold, right? I mean, coming from the vendor side, again, being, you know, being the director of recruiting, I mean, part of what I did was I sat in a bullpen. I, I had an office in, in my office at CPSI. I sat in a bullpen. I sat with my recruiters. If they were having trouble pulling a wreck, I'm on the phone. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm on, you know, whether it's profit. I mean, back in the day it was LinkedIn. LinkedIn now is just anything but a, a, a glorified job board, in my opinion. But, you know, it's about, you know, getting in there and, and doing what you need to do in terms of strategic. Okay, here's the wreck we have. This is what we're trying to fill. Is it a globalization wreck? Well, what do I need to do? Well, quite frankly, the first thing I'm doing is looking in the database. The second thing I'm doing is looking at globalization conferences across the country. I'm calling into those conferences and I'm figuring out who's on the list of this globalization conference that was in San Jose that just happened. Hey, can I get a copy of this list? And if I can, boom, I've got a, you know, I've got a, sheet, I've got a sheet full of candidates to call for potential wrecks that maybe we weren't getting any traction on. 
Okay, so you did sourcing. Strategic in that case meant sourcing. You you created the sourcing strategy, right? Or the yes. tactics. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, vision. What does that mean? Do you know? Vision is looking looking at what's going on in the market. You know, I, I think anybody that is worth their, their you know worth their weight in terms of recruiter, anybody that's successful, you know, you're on Indeed. You've got Indeed alerts set up. So if you're saying, hey, I've got a couple of recs with this company and they're doing network security, and then all of a sudden, you know, the next week my Indeed list pops up and there's five or six more companies that may or may not be on my target list that are doing security, then I know that, hey, look, I better start scaling my security candidates because if I'm calling, you know, if these candidates or if these clients are on my uh, my target list, they're eventually going to need, you know, if these are the competition, they're eventually going to need the same thing. So I need to be able to scale that and know strategically, okay, this is what the market's doing. What kind of candidates should I be looking for? I think the problem is a lot of times, you know, recruiters are, are reactive, right? You get a job order in on the agency side. You get a job order in, you're like, okay, I need some .NET candidates. Okay, well, if you know that, that this is what you're looking for, then you should have been ramping this. And from a strategic standpoint, you need to know what your market is doing. And that goes to whatever market you're working in. I mean, right now, I'm in Baltimore, uh, Austin, Texas, Scottsdale, San Jose, Omaha, Nebraska, Boston, Massachusetts. So I need to know what's going on in those markets and the jobs that I'm working, who my competition is, where can I pull candidates from, you know, from a sourcing recruiting standpoint, and, and what they're doing, you know, how, how, how fast are they ramping. And then I'm on the phone talking to clients and candidates that have interviewed there, and I need to be talking to them about, hey, what are these guys doing? Oh, you interviewed over at Red Hat? Okay, hey, what's Red Hat doing? What are they working on? So you've got to be strategic in talking to candidates you know, and, and clients, for that matter, on the vendor side, okay, you know, okay, to, to let, know what's going and on. And this is wearing me out. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just interrupt oh, him, Jerry. Yeah, you're good at that. But, but no, here's the hey, thing. but I'm also going to add that we will accept that answer, a good answer, uh, in just a moment when Animal asks you about vision as well. I'm going to well, save you yes, both some time I'm, right there. I'm not going to ask about vision, but that's his answer about vision. I would never guess. That's what vision means, okay? I just, I would never guess. Just knowing what's going on in the marketplace and uh, knowing where you need to be, isn't that vision? No. What do you mean knowing where he needs to be? For forget. That's that. what he was just saying. Didn't you listen to that? He was talking kind of fast. He's from the East Coast. I am an East Coast. Gosh, yeah. You need to move to the Midwest and slow down just should've, a bit. Should have, should have sang the lady. Well, came that from coffee Baltimore. alone. You know that one? Lady came from Baltimore. You know that song? No, I don't. I'm not from Baltimore. I just live here. Okay. Uh, okay. Here's another one. from Just one more from your LinkedIn profile. His expansive network allows him to continually find quality people. It sounds like you're sourcing new candidates that you haven't spoken to before. What does he mean when he says your expansive network is where you, is where you source your candidates? So, it be, I mean, Baltimore is a small market as compared to, say, D.C., right, and, and Northern Virginia, which obviously is huge. So, you know, you need to, as you're talking to candidates, you need to be able to, you know, and, and I think I heard this on one of your shows, Animal, maybe it was a week or two ago, maybe it was a month, I, I forget. But, you know, some candidates aren't going to be a fit for every position. But every candidate that I talk to knows the person that I need to talk to. So if I can create that as I'm talking to them, some type of rapport, then I'm going to have that person in the network. And then the next time an opportunity comes up, I can tap into my network, and it's not a direct cold you know, email or phone call saying, hey, do you know anybody for this network security job? Do you know anybody for this you know, lead PHP developer job? If I've got okay. those people in my arsenal already, then I can talk to them. Okay, so the first contact, you don't try to get referrals. Is that right? 
I mean, I'm calling somebody because they're a fit for either my job or a job within the company. So yeah. I'm looking at, at the company as a whole. The second thing is if I talk to them for 10 to 15 minutes, I know that they're not a fit for my particular role or maybe for something that the company has right now. I'll tell them what I'm working on, but then keep them in my network, and I keep a, a, a kind of a running list of all the candidates based on their skill sets, especially hard-to-find skill sets. For example, uh, I work on Pega jobs in Omaha, Nebraska. That's like getting a seat at the Last Supper trying to find those people. I mean, it's ridiculous. So the more people that I know within that PEGA community, the more people I can reach out to, whether the job's in Omaha or San Jose and Scottsdale, I keep those people kind of you know, in my arsenal so that when I need something, I can call them or I'm calling yeah, or well, ping them. Yeah, let me you, okay? Okay. Yeah, sure. okay, I understood that from the first time. I'm going to have to cut your answer short. Uh, but the Please. thing is, Man, you might I, be able to get this whole show in in half an hour. I mean, this guy is like blazing. He could be more succinct. If you, I'm, I'm sorry I have to say it. But mm. I understood that the second time around, they're already on your list. You've got to warm a relationship with them. You can call them up and ask for a referral. Do you try to get a referral the first time around if they're not suitable for the can, job? Can I answer this question? Go ahead. You do if it feels right, and you don't if it doesn't feel right. Why, why do you make it seem like you got to have this rule of thumb? I'm going to ask for a referral on every call. Hey, sometimes you might. Sometimes you don't. So, Kevin, Kevin you don't have to have a yes or no answer on this. Feel free to uh, tell Animal that's kind of a stupid question. <laughs> no, I no, we can't. What? No, we can't. Not everyone has your touch. Not, Not everyone has a feel for it. Touch? Feel? God. Come Dude, on, people. You realize, man, this stuff comes from like childhood if you can't figure that stuff out yeah they're going to be people that do it on every single call mm. and they're going to sound foolish mm. really kevin what's your take on that yeah I, I mean i feel like if you're asking for a referral and let's say the call goes poorly or the candidate's pissed off about something you know I, i'm not going to antagonize them it's basically when you in my opinion if the call is going well i'm going to ask for a referral if the call is is just okay Basically, me asking for a referral means, listen, I don't really want you. I want somebody you know. So tell me about somebody you know because you are not going to fit for this job. Th that's the way I look at it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what does it mean the call's going well? <laughs> you're you're, you're developing a rapport. You're, 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 having a, you're having a conversation that's not about, hey, here's the job. Here's what you're looking for. I think you know, right now it's in, in technology, it's a hot market. and There's a ton of candidates out there, but a lot of them aren't very good. So I feel like when you're talking to candidates, it's about having the conversation of, hey, what are you looking to do? My question to candidates is always, always starts out as, hey, what are you not doing in your current job right now that you want to be doing? And then I basically tailor my conversation to, hey, you know what, we're doing this, or here's something we're working towards, or, you know, hey, you know what, we're not doing that right now. You know, what, what, if this is your passion, why is this your passion? You know, what, what have you done in your past? So you're having a conversation. I'm not just looking over somebody's resume and, and you know, like a 23-year-old recruiter that just got out of school and saying, okay, you did this, and I'm asking scripted questions. Like I said, you can have this conversation in 10, 15 minutes and decide whether or not the person is really going to be a fit. I mean, I'm not a technologist by nature, but I know cultural fit within my company. So that's really what I'm looking at first and foremost. A lot of times people's passions come through in their conversations. And if they're passionate about technology and they have a remedial understanding, my managers will talk to those candidates versus somebody that you know is a subject matter expert in Java but culturally, they're not going to fit within the company. What do you mean about this culture? Well, so you're recruiting for culture. That's what you're saying. What does that mean? 
Oh, no. He's like, Jerry, that's what he said he's doing. Shouldn't I ask him about that? No, dude. Look, we're all supposed to say we do the culture thing, but we're not. You know, Jerry, I heard about about this agency recruiter who got pissed off because he had an HR contact, and that HR contact wanted to screen his candidate for culture before she sent him on to the hiring manager. What do you think of that? What do you think of that, uh, Kevin? Should, does the HR person have a right to do that? They have a right to do whatever they want. I mean, I think that goes you know, that goes to your your internal equity with your hiring managers and with HR. I can tell you right now that my hiring managers, having been here as long as I have, my hiring managers don't screen my candidates. I, I, I talk to the candidates and say, this person's great, and I set them up for a phone interview. That's what happens. They, my, they don't screen any of my people. HR is not even involved whatsoever. I think HR is... is a necessary evil. I mean, if you want to talk about benefits, call HR. If you want to talk about mm. candidates, talk to somebody in talent acquisition. Mm. They, they're going to know what, what, what the yeah, market's what doing. What if you're dealing with is. HR? What if that's the rule? You've got to talk to the HR person, and she wants to do a cultural screen. You're in a bind, right? You can't, you can't say, look, you don't have to do that. Is there any special? And, you're on and the inside. Can I add, now. though? Can I add? Hold on a second. That was my complaint, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. It's not that the internal talent person wants to do the 15-minute culture screen. It's scheduling it a week from tomorrow when I'm trying to get this person some interviews. And to wait a week, week and a half, for the HR person to call and ask, hey, did you have a chance to review our website? And what do you think about it? That's a waste of my time, and it really burns through talent that might be hired by the company. Instead, you're just really putting people off. Scheduling crap 10-minute phone calls for a week from now isn't helping anybody. Exactly, and that HR person doesn't know anything about technology because at 9 o'clock they were talking to somebody about a legal job, and at 11.30 they talked to somebody about some staff accountant job, and maybe at 3 o'clock they're having a conversation with my Java developer. So what value is that adding? I understand that they have to be part of the process, and that's, you know, in, in some cases that's fine, but Again, you know, if you're talking about why, why are you screening them, that, that's the question. Like, uh, you know, if you need to screen them for culture, then what am I doing? Then what am Hold I doing? Hold on a second. Okay, a wait, wait, wait. Jerry didn't want me to ask the question, culture question. I'm going to come back, but I just wanted to see Alejandro was started talking, and we didn't get to hear what he had to say. Alejandro, did you have something you wanted to add? I think he dropped already. He dropped? He's a great man on this show. What happened to him? I don't understand. Because I didn't, because I didn't let him talk. No, that wasn't it. What was it? Scaring no people idea. off, animal as usual. He had things to do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Okay. So let's just—you're doing culture screens. What does that mean? I mean, for, for me specifically, it means I know what is going on within my organization, right? I know my business units, and I know that, hey, this manager may be a little bit tougher, right? And they're a tough person to work with, and this manager may be a little bit more flexible. So, again, from a technology standpoint, I'll put you in front of a whiteboard. Either you can write code or you can't. I mean, it's very black and white. So it's a yes or no. Now, just because you can write code doesn't mean you're going to be a great fit within the organization. You can work well with others. Yeah, we understand that already. Tell me the culture of your company. Let's do it that way. Do you know what the culture of your company is? Three to five points? 
the coach, I mean, I, look, listen, work hard, play hard, cliche, I get it, but it is what it is. We're a very laid-back culture. When it's time to roll up your sleeves, they get it done. When it's time to relax and have a good time, that's what they're about. You know, this isn't about working 90 hours a week. It's about, hey, we've got a deliverable here. We've got to get this done. So you know what? If you've got to work till 9 o'clock sometimes, you've got to work till 9 o'clock. You know, and you, and you have to get, you know, people that, that, you know, I think now in technology, people are looking for a lot more remote work. You know, people, I'm sitting here, I don't want to commute within 30 miles of where, you know, where I live. Well, you know, five years ago, people were like, I would drive an hour and a half if it meant me getting a job. So this is the other thing that's come around is that, you know, right now the, the, the you know, candidate, the good candidate market is very low and the demand is high. I'm sure the agency folks Hold on, on the a phone second. Saying, no, no, somebody help me. It's Kevin. Let's stick to the point, okay? Dude, I'm worn out. I mean, I'm liking this guy, but I tell you, I feel like I feel like I've already got my workout in for the day. Yeah. Okay. Normally, I work out at three. Okay. Let me ask a different question. I'll move <laughs> well, on. Well, three to four. Blind resumes. Do you believe that you know external recruiters should send a resume in with all the stuff uh, taken off, or do you think they should, you know, uh, let, leave all the contact information there? In 2015, leave it on. In 1998, uh-huh. take it off. Why? Why leave you, it on? Because it doesn't matter. You can find anybody. I mean, it, it, a good recruiter. If you send me a resume that says this person, there's no name redacted, but <laughs> I think this person would be a great fit for your job. Okay. Well, if you leave their last company on there, all you have to do is go to LinkedIn and figure out who it is. I mean, it's not rocket science. Oh uh, no! Okay. You're supposed to also in there just put large financial institution. <laughs> but, but you're right. But think about that. I mean, you're spending, you're, you're spending so much time 50. taking all that information off. Like, I mean, you could be making more phone calls to more candidates versus going through somebody's five-page resume and taking off every single client. Uh-huh. You know, Actually, every company but, that they but one of the one of the complaints about it, somebody said that it tells your uh, it tells your your client that you don't trust them. Uh, right? I said it's that, bad. and I'll defend it. You may as well take off the guy's name and put on there. Don't screw me. <laughs> Please don't backdoor me with this camera. Right. I don't well, trust okay, you, okay. so call me. If, <laughs> if you're sending a resume, then you should only be sending that if you've got a relationship and, a, and an expectation. Uh, any Anybody playing uh, games out here really needs to get out of this business. Okay. I, I agree, uh, and I think that – I mean, I, I work with a number of vendors right now, and, and they, they send me – well, I also don't need the headers, okay? I get that your logo looks awesome and whatever else, but I don't need all of your other, you know, accoutrements on the resume. Like, hey, tell me what this person's about. Send me their resume. It doesn't really matter where they live. I, I want to see good candidates. And I think that, again, for me, so we're having, you know, working with agencies right now, we have a relationship. And, and that's just because likely in the Baltimore area, I know pretty much all the recruiters. I've worked with a lot of the agencies around here, so I know most of the guys and girls. So they, they trust me, right? And, and they're like, hey, this person just came off. I think this person's good. You know, I think that if you're talking about some of these larger okay, organizations okay, okay, where you okay, have to go okay, to HR, okay, there's okay, not. Okay, 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 let me Whoa. get over okay? okay? But huh. we hear all the time that, you know, uh, recruiters are submitting their candidates, and all of a sudden the company says, oh, you know, we know this guy. Six months ago he applied for a job. He's lying dead in their database until you send them in. You, the external recruiter, all of a sudden he's their candidate, not yours, and they don't want to pay you. These companies are not trustworthy. 
That's my opinion. And what do you say about that? How should you handle a, a situation like that where you send in a resume, you dug up the candidate, all of a sudden they say, oh, we know him already, and they, they're not touching him until you do, tell them to. So, so we work through bounty jobs, and it sucks. Oh. I know it's I, look, I get it. I, I get it. But, okay, 12-31, show over. <laughs> but, but, I, but I can tell you that that, that, that that takes care of that whole situation, so I never get double submittals. Anybody that's in the system after six months gets, you know, that's the agency's candidate, and they submit it, and it's being tracked. If it's in there within the last six months, then that's what it is. I mean, it's very black and white. So, do you get an alert that says, hey, somebody just tried to submit this person, but they'd already been in there five months ago, so check them out? Yes. Mm, see? So, you're being alerted because of the second agency's effort. So, they're getting That's screwed. True. true. And, and it, in my perspective, coming from an agency background is I go into the database and I look in there and if there's a discrepancy, uh, listen, I don't, I don't mind paying vendors and my hiring managers don't mind paying vendors if it's time to do that. So that's yeah. the difference I think between me and them is I'll go in there and look them up and say, Hey, you know what? This person was in here, you know, five and a half months ago or whatever the case is. And it's pretty black and white, you know, with the bounty jobs agreement, but I'm going to go in and check them out. And if it looks like that, you know, it's out. You know, it's it's within that window. Then it's within the window. There's nothing I can do. If I look that person up and they say this person was submitted six months ago and six months was the window, then that's an agency candidate, and I will pass it to the manager as being represented by the agency and not. Okay, by the move on. But what about the first agency? Agency number one sends them in. Five and a half months later, agency number two says, "Hey, this is the guy for your job." Does agency nope, one get the credit for it? Agency one gets the credit for that. See, that's just such crap. I can hardly. It is crap. Okay. I can hardly Allison live with Cruz. it. Allison Cruz, budding thought leader. Allison she Cruz. wants to know if you go to your glass door page and find out what people think about your firm. I do. Yeah, and what? If, what? If, tell us what you've learned from that. How? How your your approach has changed after reading your glass door reviews. You know, my, my approach email hasn't changed. I've had people – I actually had somebody turn me down because of something they read on Glassdoor. And my response to them was, hey, you ever been to your favorite restaurant? Yep. Have you looked at it on Yelp? Yes. Have people said that your restaurant is terrible and the food was terrible and they'll never eat there again? Yes. Will you now not eat there anymore because, you know, one or two people based on however many said that they're not going to do that? Well, no, it's my favorite place. Well, exactly. I mean, people are going to have different experiences. And I actually just listened to this show uh, on, on, I listened to this segment on your show, Animal, this morning, where someone talked about it. I forget who it was. Maybe it was Jerry saying, listen, Glassdoor and Yelp and these places, either people really, really like it or they really, really hate it. There's no in-between saying, hey, this was good, this was bad. It's like, I've got a bone to pick, so I'm going to give you a negative review, or I really like it here, and I'm going to give you a positive review. Okay, so Glassdoor is... Uh, I, although I guess if it leans really one way strongly, if there's a hundred reviews there and they're all bad, that tells you something. But otherwise, it doesn't. Uh, Allison also wants to know if you know no, your glass, glass door is just what people say when you know the day after they get canned for not having sold anything. Okay. <laughs> On Twitter, by the way, some people are saying you talk too fast and that you should slow down so I can interrupt you. Okay. <laughs> And, and, uh, I apologize for speaking too fast. Okay, good. And and then 
I guess it's better than too slow. Uh, anyway, also, <laughs> Allison wants to know if you, a question that I got, too. Do you know what your employment brand is? PayPal is the world's leading uh, electronic payments. I mean, that's it. We're, we're, that's what know, your Apple company Wallet, does. Of- that's what your company does. That's not your employer brand. I would say you don't know what your employer brand is. And there's a big mm, I, think he, I think you got him there, Animal. He doesn't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's not important. There's a big controversy about that. Employer brand? Recruiters don't have to know it because it's insignificant. Glassdoor page? Doesn't make much difference either, according to our friend Kevin, who's a bright guy, even if he talks fast, okay? We can all agree that he's smart. So anything else, uh, Allison? I'll keep my eyes open for you. Uh, let me see. Okay, Jackie Clayton says you've got to give it to him for doing his research. Who, me or, or the guest? Fast talking, fast talking. Tell him to slow down, okay? That's that's a message for you. Okay, what you should you do? Well, let's say you've got an HR. I'm asking you this because you're internal. What if you've got an HR person or an internal recruiter, and they start setting up interviews for your candidate? If you're an external person, uh, your candidate's in the process, but they don't keep you in the loop. They don't, you know, CC you when they set up a an interview with your candidate and you know you beg them but they just won't do it what's up with that kevin for me it doesn't really work like that for me i mean i have a coordinator right now so when i need to set up interviews if it's with an external candidate from a vendor my uh, internal coordinator will work with the vendor to get that person set up, whether it's an on-site or a Skype interview, coding interview, and they'll okay, move what if, what if, what if this What if you got a different situation? If some, if I got somebody into your company and and there was no recruiting coordinator, and you know I was talking with you and you weren't including me, what should I do? Is there anything I could do? It strikes me that you know once you're dealing with kind of people you don't get along with on the inside. There's nothing you can do because it would blow up the relationship entirely. You're hanging by a string as it is. What do you think? Yeah. Well, no, I, I agree, and I think that that it's about the partnership. But more importantly than that, it's as an external recruiter. You, what's the what, what's your main goal? Your main goal is obviously to get a candidate in the process, and then right after that, it's to get feedback. So if you're not looping me into the process, then I can't push hiring managers to give you feedback within 24, 48, 72 hours. So the more you don't include me, the more I don't know what's going on, and I can't turn around and and help you say, hey, this person missed because of A, B, C, and D, or this person hit because of A, B, C, and D. So it benefits you as an external recruiter to let loop me in so that when you email me back and say, hey, Kevin, I need feedback on this, hey, I can go to the manager and say, this, you know, this interview took place on Tuesday. It's Thursday. We need to either close the loop or move on with this candidate you know, and let Next the question. external vendor Next know question. where they missed. Next question. Is it okay? Yeah. Oh I'll, just, I'll just cut him short, Jer. I mean, he's good, but he, he goes on. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm liking it, but I, I feel like I'm at, at the buffet. You know what I mean? And okay. I can't go back for the fifth plate okay. of dessert. Okay. You know? Okay. We're going to shorten the answers. Is it okay if, if you're trying to reach someone on LinkedIn, you're not getting any reply? Is it okay to contact his dad via LinkedIn to get in touch with him or, you know, see if he's still alive? No. Why not? There's plenty of other ways to get in touch with people. I'm not a skip tracer at a credit card company. I don't need to try to call your dad or your neighbor to try to reach out to you. There's plenty of other ways to get in touch with somebody. Really? If they're not returning your calls or something like that? 
if, if they're not returning my calls, then they're probably not interested. So, okay. I mean, I'm how not going to chase somebody How do you down. contact? How, okay, I got your answer. I should have moved on. What's your first contact? Phone, email, text? What do you use? Phone, text. Phone. Listen to what Stephen O'Donnell says. He says, I call bullshit on those who hate to be cold called, spammed, or marketed to in any way. This is simply modern life. And it's your responsibility to know how to handle it. Because we always see people, they don't like being uh, cold called. You think it's legit. Am I right about that? Yes, 100%. Okay. What, what is your cold call? How do you approach people? If I'm look, you know, if I find their background on a LinkedIn or, or you know, on a Stack Overflow or GitHub blog, I'm going to call them and say, hey, you know, I'm Kevin Dunn. I work for PayPal. I've got this opportunity. It looks like, you know, you're currently doing this. Wanted to learn a little bit more about your background, figure out what your passions are, see if there's a fit within my organization. Do you find, Kevin, that that your response rates are a little bit higher with that versus, hey, this is Kevin Dunn. I'm a uh, Robert Half recruiter, and I spotted your resume, and I've got a great opportunity for you. I mean, having PayPal – certainly brings uh, huge benefits in leaving messages, doesn't it? Absolutely. There's a brand awareness there that, you know, with Robert Half, Tech Systems, Aerotech, you name it, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's another recruiting call that those guys probably and girls probably get, you know, 100 of those a day. That's what I was thinking. But when yeah. PayPal calls or Google or somebody, I mean, it's like, whoa. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and you're a representative of the firm. I think, you know, to that point, I've actually set up LinkedIn campaigns for my hiring managers. If I'm looking for a specific candidate, I'll go to my you know, senior director or hiring manager, and I'll talk to them about putting together a LinkedIn campaign. We'll find the candidates that they want, and then I'll put together an email that the hiring manager will send directly to those people via LinkedIn or wherever else. So they're not even getting it from me. What does it say? Senior level. What does it say? What does that email say? I mean, there's a couple of different. I mean, the, the the gist of the email is, hey, I'm Kevin Dunn. I'm the senior director of globalization at PayPal. I noticed your profile on LinkedIn. It looks like it's going to be a fit for an opening I have within my team. I'd love to talk to you about more about the opportunity. Here's my email. Here's my phone. Call me when you get a chance. Okay. There's a number of people at the current uh, um, sort of this in this epoch of recruiting that they say you should be personalizing every single one. Of those emails, you should find something out about that person and refer to it in the email, not just a general statement. I looked at your in, in, in LinkedIn profile. I think there might be something worth talking about here. What do you think about that? I, I agree, and that's what I just said. I mean, I, I'm you know from a my senior manager of a globalization is talking about someone's globalization experience. If I'm talking about a Java developer, hey, you know, we're, you know, open source, here's what we've done, and, you know, you worked over at XYZ company. Yeah, okay, but you're not going and finding the person's blog or the comment they made on some website and saying, hey, you know, I read that and I thought it was pretty smart. That's why I'm calling you. You don't do that, right? It's enough to look at their LinkedIn profile and then send a general message, globalization is what I'm interested in. That's what it sounds like to me. Is that right? That's correct, and, and, and some people don't have their blogs on their LinkedIn, which I think is a travesty. I mean, a lot of developers have GitHub and Stack Overflow accounts, and they don't put those on their LinkedIn. And, and quite frankly, if I'm carrying 55 recs, I don't have time to do that. Uh-huh. Are you really carrying 55 recs? Uh, on average, I sold uh, 140 recs so far this year. Wow. 
And how, are they all the same? Is that how you manage so many? Are they all identical or half of them really the same thing so you can knock off a bunch at the same time? Yeah, there's different pockets. I mean, you know, Java here in Maryland, Java, I mean, obviously, those are they're pretty much the same. But I have the same jobs, but they're in San Jose. So Bay Area recruiting is different than Baltimore recruiting. If okay, I'm so you've never Boston done – I'm, I'm cutting you off. I'm moving to the next question. Yep. People want you to be shorter, okay? Uh, do, did you ever do business development when you were on the agency side? It sounds like business development was the thing that drove you away from agencies. Were you ever the biz dev guy yourself? I've done biz dev, yeah, absolutely. I worked at Robert Half, so you know you run a you run a full desk even on a contract there. Uh huh. Well, can you give us any tips? Because I mean, you're a high powered recruiter. So, uh, are there any tips, or you know, from the way people approach you now, how how should you go about making your contact with the company if you've never dealt with them before? I, I think first and foremost, you got you know you've got to do your research, and you, and to your point earlier, Animal, you've got to if you're going to reach out to somebody, then you should be on watch that page and see, oh, hey, XYZ company just hired a new CFO. So you know what? I'm going to call that company if it's on my target list and say, hey, congratulations. I saw you just got a job as a CFO of blah, blah, blah. Here's my company. Here's what I do. Would love to get an opportunity to, to you know, see how we could partner together. Uh-huh. Okay. So is that an email or a phone call? Uh, that's a phone call. And if I don't get that, it will be an email. Uh, uh-huh. But, you know, you, 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 I mean, just like following up on an ad, you know, ad calls were a big thing for us. And, and you know, I don't know if they still are on the agency side, but, you know, it takes three or four, you know, contacts to get in touch with somebody before they, they give you a call back. Um, uh-huh. You know, I had a situation when I was in New York where I called the guy probably 15 times, and he finally accepted a meeting because he said, you're the only person that kept calling me. Everybody else dropped off after three weeks. Okay, that's really messages. interesting. That's really – will you call a candidate that many times as well? If they're really good and they're really niche, yes, absolutely. If it's just okay. a Java developer, run-of-the-mill, no. Do you leave voicemail? Sure, I do. Yes. Let's see. Was it was that an example that you just gave us before, or can you give us an example of, of some kind of voicemail you leave? Because everybody's saying that voicemail is dead. Is that true or false? Again, it's you know, it's per person, right? I mean, some people will respond to voicemail, some people won't. Again, back to I think Jerry's earlier point. You get a voicemail from somebody. You get a voicemail from somebody from Google. You're going to call it back. If you get a voicemail from somebody from Robert Half or one of the other agency, they've already got 15 of those in their voice in their their queue that they're not calling back. Uh huh. Uh huh. But if I call you 10 times and leave 10 voicemails, will you call me back? And will I get anywhere with you? Again, it depends what I'm looking for. You know, if if, if it's something that is if in the voicemail, it's going to strike my fancy, and you you have something in there that shows that you've done some research, I'm probably going to call you back. If the voicemail is just, hey, saw your resume on Dice, it looks good, I want to talk to you, I'm probably not going to call you back. And if you leave that same message five times, I'm definitely not calling you back. Okay. Anybody on the line got a question? Nobody's even talking. I mean, it's just me and Jerry. Anybody want to ask a question, Mike? I think everybody's at HR tech looking at uh, ATS system, the maybe, trade show. Maybe, maybe. okay, I'm just stuff. asking. Do you go to conferences, uh, Kevin, recruiting conferences? I, I do, I do. I, I've, I've been to a few, ERE, you know, some of the, the, the usual ones. Uh, and then I do a lot of uh, local stuff here. Um, Innovate Baltimore, PayPal just sponsored here, you know, trying to get the, uh, the, the tech kind of mentality up. Do you get anything not, out of them? Do you derive anything out of them? We do, we do. I what? mean, it's it's what? part of it is obviously branding. I mean, when I got here, when I got to PayPal four years ago, nobody knew PayPal was even in Maryland. 
So for me, I mean, it was part of, hey, you know, here's what we're doing. These are some of the companies that are here. We want to attract those candidates. Okay, but do you, you, know, ever, go get... come, do you ever go there and come back as a, be- a better recruiter? Oh, yeah, I learned a lot here. Yes or no? No. No. Okay, thank you. Thank it's, you. it's the party and the people that you meet, dude. Happy hour. Right. Happy hour. Well, people love them. I mean, I I I, I watched the Talent Connect and stuff like that. That's oh, having a revelation at them. Okay. God. okay. All, I don't think a, anybody's a, having a revelation. There's a bunch of them that are paid somehow. I don't know to all hype each other's little circle of oh, did you see so and so's you know presentation? Uh, it was fantastic. And I'm going over here. It's it's a it's a small circle of mutual admiration. Mike, what did you say? Michael Cox? So it's about the happy hour and getting together with people that you've been connected to online. Yeah, and- I said people say it's a revelation, and you said no, they don't. Yes, they do! And I can show you all those tweets. It was magnificent. I've learned so much. I'm a new man, okay? Mm. Right. That, that's just, that's just like saying That's just like saying going to job fairs, you're going to find top-tier talent. I mean, that doesn't happen either. Okay. Okay. No. Recruiting videos. Are you into those? Does your company make them? We do not make them. Why not? Uh, that's a decision that's made above my pay grade. I think that the recruiting videos are important. I mean, I can tell somebody about a position, but the biggest thing – I saw a recruiting video once that has stuck with me. I saw this a couple years ago, and they talked about the position, and the video had a you know picture of that person's desk. So as you're talking to a candidate – and you're telling them about an opportunity, they see a video, they can picture themselves sitting there. Just like when you look at a new home, a furnished home, you can picture yourself living there. Well, that's what you want to do to an employee. You want to have them picture them sitting there and contributing to the team. Um, so we don't do them. I wish we did. Okay. Now, uh, we had uh, the guy who's the CEO of a company called Honit, and uh, he was a, an agency recruiter, and he said when he went inside to the corporate side, the thing that astonished him was the cost of getting a, a, a new employee up and running. It's a huge cost, he says, to hire someone and onboard them. It, was that something that you were not aware of and, and you became uh, aware of once you went inside? 100%. You know, from the, you know, where somebody's sitting to laptops to all of that, you know, all the other things that go on with onboarding somebody, I'd never done that before. So, yes, I, I didn't understand the cost, and it is pretty high. Okay, but he said it takes six months before an engineer is really cranking out something worthwhile. Is that true or false? That's that's true. Really? So if you send if you if they hire someone who's not good, at, and it takes three months uh, to find that out, that's a disaster. Is that is that the case? It's an absolute disaster, and I teach behavioral interview training to senior managers across the country, and that's my first slide: is what's the cost of a bad hire? And the bad hire, the cost of a bad hire on average, is five times the salary. You're kidding. Wow. That, and so what, yeah, what, should a, what should an, ex- can an external recruiter, knowing that, which is something I really did, I had no idea, even this figure you've just tossed out, knowing that, could, would that change your approach to your client in any way, or should it? I, I don't think it should. I mean, you know, we're also dealing with people and not widgets. So you can vet people for as long as you want, but... 
somebody could get in and say the right things in an interview and be able to code, but once they get in, they could be a completely different person. And, and that's happened to me, and I'm sure it's happened to everybody else on the phone or, or really? folks that are tell, online. Tell us, tell us a story about something somebody who didn't work out. So we, we had a candidate that we hired, I want to say about six months ago or so. Guy came in, great developer, knew his stuff backwards and forwards. I screened him, great cultural fit, got along with the team. I mean, everything was going splendidly. I would say probably within the first 90 days, all of a sudden, you know, this guy was calling out, his work dropped off, you know, he just wasn't doing what he needed to do. And the managers were like, I, we screened this guy. I mean, this guy went, he was from out of town. So not only did we screen him, typically in our process, our first interview is an online coding evaluation. So when we set up candidates for the first interview, it's not an HR screen. It's a straight up, here's the deal. It's one hour. Sit in front of a laptop. We're going to do screen share coding exercises. Guy passed with flying colors. We Skyped him because he was out of town. We had a chance to talk to, like, four or five of my managers. Everybody thought he was great. We flew him into town, did a whole two-hour panel interview, whiteboarding session. Guy did phenomenal. Came in, and maybe it was something happened in his personal life. I don't know, but he totally dropped off. And, you know, nobody knows. I mean, and, and, and you know, they ended up having to let him go. And what about reference checks? Did you do any of those? We don't do those. Why not? Because seven times out of ten, who's going to give a bad reference? You know, Daniel Chait from uh, Greenhouse.io, he said that's like one of his major sources of information about the candidate. He'll ask candidates questions to get clear answers that they, he can take to the to the people he's talking to in the reference checks. It, it, you know? Again, I mean, we, we, we do reference checks for, you know, senior director level and above, but for, you know, your individual contributor roles – it just, you know, as a large organization, we were doing reference checks through a third party. I think we were using, uh, you know, a third party vendor. I won't say the name, but we were using a third party company. So it wasn't even that I was checking the references, and this was a corporate wide initiative. So I put in all the information, and they would basically get an online survey, right? So there wasn't anybody calling these people. I mean, I'm doing 10 placements a month right now. So, uh -huh. you know, it's me spending time checking 10, you know, 10 times 3, let's say 30, you know, I mean, 10 places a month, yeah, so 30 references. On top. There's just no yeah, time Okay, to let me that. ask you Again, a question. Let me ask you a question. This came up in one of the conferences, that guys like you shouldn't have as many job orders to work. You'd be able to do a job better. What do you think? Well, I agree 100%. I mean, the average, the average corporate recruiter from the people that I've talked to carry 20, 25 jobs, probably 30 max. I've carried between 50 and 60 for four years. Wow. Okay. Anybody got a comment before I ask another question? We're almost out of time. Anybody? No. Okay. Counteroffers. Do you have any quick opinions about them? Do you, do you ever think they work, or are they always bad, like everybody, every recruiter says? Last week, I don't know if you listened to Caitlin's interview, she said they are always disasters. I agree. They're, they're, they're always terrible. And as having sat on a, on a perm desk, I bring the same mentality to the corporate side. Every time I'm talking to a candidate throughout the process, I'm asking them what they're doing. Hey, have you thought about your current company? They're going to come back to you with a counter. You know, think about why you're looking to move. So that's a conversation I have throughout the, the interview and the hiring process. Um, but, again, having been in this business 15 years, I've never seen anyone take a counter and be like, hey, this counter was so great. I'm glad that, I'm glad that I took it. It was hey, you know what, they called me six months later because they took the counter and the company was looking for their replacement and they found a way to get them out, out the door. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, but it, let's say it, the person's just moving for money, and the company decides they're going to give them more money. What's wrong with that? I mean, nothing's wrong with it. I mean, as a candidate, you've got to do what's best for you and your family. But as a recruiter, if I know what you're making and I'm doing the background check and I tell candidates that we're going to verify salary and, you know, and I'm looking at your resume and you've jumped here, 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 a year, a year, a year, you know, in each of those, you're going to get ten grand more. And I tell candidates that, you know, look, you're going to jump to this next position for $10,000 more. If you take 33% of your taxes out, standard, you amortize $10,000 over 26 pay weeks, it's about 140 bucks. So every time you're going to make a move, you're going to make a move for another 140 bucks. Not the type of person that I'm looking for. What kind of person are you looking for? Why, would they, why do you want to see them making a move? I want somebody to make a move for a reason. I want it to be because they want to learn this in technology. They're not doing this now. They want to learn a new skill. They want to get into an organization where, where they can grow if they're an individual contributor and they want to become a manager and, and manage the efforts of people. Those are the things that I want to see. Okay, um, so I'm just you know, wondering if people can fake and, that. It's the last question, really, uh, almost. If people yeah, can fake that, sure. oh, yeah, yeah, Kevin, uh, I, I want to, uh, to grow professionally. I want to learn. Do you say, well, what is it exactly you want to learn? What do you think you're missing uh, technically at your current location? Do you, do you grill them like that? Absolutely. I mean, as I said earlier in the show, Animal, my first question is, if there's one thing that you don't know now that you want to know, what is it going to be? And that's going to tell me about, you know, what this candidate's about. You know, well, I want to learn this, and I can look at their resume and say, well, you were doing this here. What were you doing? You know, were you just part of a team? Were you leading a team? Do you want to lead a team? Is that kind of where you're looking to go? So I can look at, at their resume and decipher from what they tell me they want to learn, and I can go back and drill down on some of the points on their resume in terms of where they want to be. Would you be a recruiter at Amazon after the article? Absolutely not. I wouldn't have been a recruiter at Amazon before the article. Why is that? I, I've recruited a lot of people from Amazon. Uh, I know, at least I feel like I know what the the backstory is with their folks over there. And, you know, it's – it's they uh, – look, you've got to work hard, and I understand that, but, but there's a work-life balance, and I don't think that that's there. And I think that that's probably why a lot of their people leave, aside from the fact that – you know, the way they structure their RSUs is really not beneficial to candidates whatsoever. Okay. Should we ask any other questions? What's your in, Do you use InMail? Last question. InMail. Do you use it? I, I do, um, but probably maybe not as much as everyone else. I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of get on the phone, shoot them a text. Find, I mean, I can find their cell phone number on people.com, so nine times out of ten I can get them without doing an InMail. And That's again, the best place. Is that the best place to find cell phone numbers in the United States? I, I, people, dot com is good. Spokio is pretty good. I mean, those are the two that have worked for me in the past. Are you? Do you pay for Spokio? Uh, I do not. You don't. Oh, and you still get value no. out of it. Anything you'd like to tell us? Parting words. Uh, no, I, I, I appreciate the effort. I apologize. I mean, I appreciate the invite. No, I you're apologize great. Yes, I've speak, enjoyed talking to you. Too fast. Been a good no, show. You, you know what? You slowed down. You've adjusted. Yeah. You've adjusted. You're welcome to come back another time. I like you. I like you. You know, one of the reasons why is you use the phone. That impressed me. And you leave voicemail, okay? I'm a guy who's living in the past just like you. Jerry, is there an after show? I don't think we have enough people. I mean, it'll be me and Mike Cox having a conversation, which is cool. It's really cool. No, but after, I, no after show? Uh, there's nobody here. Okay. I mean, I can go on a 15-minute... You know, okay. uh, you want me to read the poetry? Dude, the Cubs have me so bummed out right now. I can't even. 
I can't even think about any of it. How do you think the Blue Jay fans feel? Hold on a second, Jerry. I'll give you the after show. You can talk about the Cubs and then close off early if you want. It's up to you. Kevin, Don, thank you! Yeah, Dude, here, what uh, is up with those Cubs, man? Oh man, it. Uh, I don't know, dude. You know, I think I think there are uh, some young kids that got kind of freaked out the bigger the stage got. But I don't know, man. They knocked out the Pirates and then clobbered uh, the Cardinals, and it's it's over, dude. Yeah. Arietta was pitching so well, all of a sudden it's like he never pitched a baseball game in his life. I know, man. What happened? I, and I tell oh, you what, everybody perfect. expected that Arietta was going to just knock them out when they came to Wrigley, and it didn't happen. And then it's like, oh, my. Oh, oh no. You know, Lester was a bummer. This whole thing is ridiculous. Lester, Lester has been terrible. I mean, I'm a Yankee fan, so Lester, I hate Lester anyway because he played for the Red Sox. But you know, a lot of people around here. I mean, you know, Arietta came from Baltimore, so everyone around here was already poo-poo on him from the from the jump. He's good though, man. Except yeah, his he, recent he, appearance, he was, man. He got when he was here, he played like crap. Well, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, he's you know, a lot of these guys are like, hey, you know, they weren't the greatest where they were, but now they're here and they're looking good. I, we we cannot expect to win games on home runs, and I think those are about the only scores we've had really pretty much in the postseason. Here, it's like if you're not hit, yeah. cleaning the bases with a home run, then you you're not just grinding them out. It's a bummer. Well, those, and, and, those six a few a few weeks ago were, were pretty impressive. That they was put cool. on a clinic. Yeah, that was uh, that was the height of it. Right there, I think that, you know the, the home the home runs. I think work. You know, I mean, you you can get away with that during the year, um, but you know, when it comes to playoffs, you, you got to play small ball. You got to get yourself on base, and you've got to, you know, put your your team in a position to score runs. And if you're not doing that, then then I think you're dead in the water. You know, and I don't want to be one of those complainers, but let me tell you something. These umps are calling some oh, crappy strikes, dude, all, all across the board. We don't even need that dude back there anymore. Yeah. He ought to be sitting there in a lawn chair with a beer, waiting for a play at home plate. They should sell that seat. Dude, they've automated. You can tell if it was a pitch or a strike right on the TV. Yeah. It's almost like who's worse, right? MLB umpires or, or National Football League refs. I mean, they're, they're both terrible these days. I mean, they're, they're terrible. It's, I, it's almost, I mean, the, the NFL is almost unwatchable right now. That's why I'm scrolling through the uh, Bonnaroo 2016 website. I think I might go. I've got a camper. Hey, Bonnaroo. Not? Absolutely. <laughs> I'll take my kids. Yeah, hey, Alejandro's me. talking smack. He's uh, he's pretty thrilled about the the, the uh, series and how it's going right now. Yeah, hey, shove it, Alejandro. <laughs> how about that? <laughs> All right, everybody. I gotta get back to work, but uh, good talking to you. Great show today. Loved it. It's always nice have to have real one. people on here. You know. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, later, everybody. Don't let me